All right, Impact Mouth Guards. These are the official mouth guard of USA Boxing, USA Weightlifting, uh, the United States Muay Thai Federation, amongst dozens of other organizations. These guys make custom mouth guards in that they will send you a kit to your home. They will take an imprint of your teeth. You send it back out to them and they will send you a custom mouth guard, not only a custom to your teeth exactly, but also custom designed. It's pretty cool stuff. Check it out. Impactmouthguards.com. Use promo code FIGHTING10 for 10% off. That's FIGHTING10 for 10% off. Welcome to the Philosophy of Fighting podcast with your hosts, Arturo and Anu. Hi. So on this episode, we're going to review who we think are some of the most underrated fighters in the UFC's um, ranks. And we're going to do it by weight class. So just to kind of get right into it, we're going to start from flyweight men's flyweight do you want to start uh, i'll let you go first okay uh flyweight is like <laughs> it's slim pickings it's, it's tough most people can't name more than three flyweights right so mm-hmm. it's tough to find an underrated guy even if you do look through all the ranks and stuff you're gonna find guys that have like really good at times lost to this guy like the mma math is really tough so this is weird. We're starting off with, you know, most underrated and it's weird to even do this, but I'm picking the number two ranked guy for the most underrated in the division. And his name is Oscar Oscarov. Okay. Um, Oscar Oscarov. T- tell us a little bit about him. He's obviously underrated because I don't even really know him. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's what I think. That's why I'm picking him. Cause I'm like, people don't even know flyweights and people don't know Oscar Oscarov as one of those three flyweights. They might even know, but he's undefeated. He's a wrestler from Russia, which should already tell you a lot about him. <laughs> An undefeated wrestler from Russia. He's got wins over Joey Benavidez and Tim Elliott. Yeah, he's, he's quite a beast. I imagine he's the next guy in line for Brandon Moreno if they don't do a Figueredo rematch. But I do think he's underrated because I haven't heard anybody ever talk about him. Yeah, hundred percent. I think you're right. If if I think that's one of the requirements for underrated, and I'm gonna have other reasonings for my other picks for why people are underrated. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the fact that he's just unknown, you know, and I mean that's like a little bit on the UFC as well because they're not promoting the flyweights enough. Right. But maybe it's also like a human thing where we underestimate the lighter guys, and they're the lightest of the light guys. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we all know Moreno and Figueredo. Barely. And that's only because they were in an epic battle. That's true. You know what I mean? That's Against true. each other. Yeah. And before that, Demetrius Johnson and Henry Demetrius Cejudo. Johnson, like he's like every, he's like every fighter's favorite fighter. Mm. But regular people didn't necessarily love him or know him, you know, for as good as he should be. Mm-hmm. Fair. Okay. I'm just going to pick somebody because I myself don't know much about the flyweights. I'm picking Joseph Benavidez. A, because he's been around forever. And I think sometimes we underestimate these people that have been around forever and that only lose to champions. And secondly, because he's married to Megan Ogilvy, who I think is the best journalist slash most beautiful person in MMA. Mm. And 
I'm like, holy shit, Joseph Benavides, you are the man, you know? And so part of me, I feel like he's just underrated as a man, as a person, a pioneer in the sport, somebody that's been fighting forever. Mm-hmm. So uh, for that one, Joseph Benavides was my answer. And it's partially because of his better half, Megan Ogilvy. <laughs> that's good. All right. So let, let's run up to um, bantamweight. Because I think we, as we move up in the weight classes, things are going to be a little bit more contested. Flyweights, there's just there's just not much going on there, or at least notoriety. Bantamweight, this guy I think is underrated. He's he just broke into being ranked. He's ranked number 14. It's Cody Stallman. Okay, I don't know who this gentleman is. Tell um, me about him. He's from the US. He's definitely got a very good overall game. He's 19, 4 and 1. He's got wins over Jimmy Rivera, Brian Kelleher, Song Yadong. Um, his losses are by only the top guys. He lost to Aljamain and he lost to Valishvili. That's about it. I think he lost to Jimmy Rivera once too. I think they're one and one. But yeah, I mean, he's only lost to the top, top guys early on, but pretty much everyone else he's going through. And he's exciting to watch. He's got, he's very good overall. He's good at everything. Okay. All right. Right on. I'm actually going to pick somebody that's very highly ranked, but uh, I think is underrated. Uh, okay. Marab Davashili. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Davashili. See, I think, and the reason I picked him, I think we just underestimate these Russian fighters because it's hard for us to pronounce their names. And sometimes <laughs> we choose not to like learn their names or like, oh, it's hard or whatever. But I think like Khabib changed it. Right, because Khabib was that amazing. Yeah, but I feel like we're we're always underestimating or just like not caring as much about these fighters. We're like, eh, they're expected to win or whatever. He's got a weird name, and meanwhile, he's ranked fourth. He's won six in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time he lost was 2018, 2017, and before that, he'd won five in a row. He's a sambo fighter, traditional wrestling from Tbilisi, Georgia. So, former Soviet Union, you know, like it works in that world. Yeah, I barely know him, and I'm, like, a fight fan, you know? So, like, part of me just feels like if you're fourth ranked, I think for as big as the UFC is trying to come, we should know some of these people, you know? It should be like, oh, yeah, he's that. I mean, if I had a guess, I would say five out of ten UFC fans or MMA fans don't know. Yeah, I I might even go more than that, yeah. I would say they know him just because his name is weird. So that's the juxtaposition of having uh, the weird name. Like you kind of know him a little bit, but then Dude, you he's, he's don't dope. Know he, he's who I would envision being champ soonest. Yeah. I think, I think the UFC is eventually going to change rules because I think we're going to have a few of those type of Russian wrestler champs again. And it's just going to be like steady. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, maybe we'll see. All right. So if you want to keep going, the next division's featherweight. And I picked someone from Georgia. So Really? Yeah, Giga Chikadze. Look at that. Back-to-back Georgians. Yeah. <laughs> Who the guessed? country. That's awesome. That's, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> that's the beauty of this sport. Okay, why? I love his name, Giga. So he's yeah, going to be a star. Yeah, is pretty sick. He's ranked number 10. He's 13-2. and two. His striking is awesome. He's got big wins over Cub Swanson, Omar Morales, um, and... His first pro fight was a loss, and then he had another loss when he was invited onto the Dana White Contender Series. But outside those mm-hmm. two losses, that's it. He hasn't lost to anyone. Like, this is a guy that, like, they keep stepping up the competition, and he keeps putting them down harder and harder. So it's just, 
it's looking like it's his time. He's ranked number 10. I think this guy is going to definitely be making waves real soon. Yeah, there's a little bit of buzz, you know, that's like uh, following him around. And uh, if he takes if he takes it up, I think he's going to be a little bit like that guy, Jiri. Yeah, like people kind of love him now, light heavyweight. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like he's got this like little bit of like ethnic flair and like mm-hmm. excitement and mystery. He speaks English very well I mean, too. I, maybe this is also because of my name. My name is Anoop, you know. So I feel like my name, like my life was shaped by having a slightly different name. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm just I don't know. This is kind of like hitting me now. Okay, I think that's a great. I think that's a great response. I like that we had back-to-back Georgians, the geography professor, and me. Yeah, it's proud of how global we are. Okay, I'm going with somebody that I think I've mentioned before, but I don't care. I still like love this person, Edson Barbosa. Oh yeah. Um, right, like uh, he just beat Shane Burgos, who's a great mm-hmm. fighter, always mm-hmm. tenacious. Uh, he won before that, and then he had three losses. Before those last two wins, to Dan. I remember that one of them was to Dan Ige, and I thought he won it. Split okay, decision. yeah. So Dan Ige split decision. Mm-hmm. Paul Felder split decision, mm-hmm. which was a war, and then he lost to Justin Gagey, who's a monster. Right. Then he beat Dan Hooker. He murdered Dan Hooker. Yeah. I really felt bad for Dan Hooker. I thought Dan Hooker like they should have thrown the towel in, and that's a discussion for another day. But sometimes I'm like, why are you letting the fighter get murdered? You know, like that's taking years off. Mm-hmm. He fought Kevin Lee. He lost to Kevin Lee. He lost to Khabib. But then he beat Benil Daryush, Gilbert Melendez, Anthony Pettis. Lost to Tony Ferguson. He beat Paul Felder, Michael Johnson. Basically, what I'm saying is I feel like he's had the toughest schedule ever. Yeah. I think uh, I, I've mentioned before how much I respect gatekeepers, where people underestimate people for being a gatekeeper. And I just think of it like, you're the fucking bouncer. You're the one that determines whether you're great or not. You beat me, you're great. You can't beat me, you're just under great. And so I feel like, yeah, Edson Barbosa doesn't get, like, the respect he should for having the toughest schedule ever. Like, Yeah, I agree with you. It's not always about wins and losses. Since I've known Edson Barbosa's name, which is a long time now, he's been fighting for a bit. Gosh, yeah, he's been fighting for, like, a while. It's got to be, like, the better part of 10 years in the UFC. Uh, Yeah, actually 11, November 20th, 2010. Yeah, so dude. almost yeah, 10 and a half. You're and perfect. since that yeah. time, I feel like he's been versing top 10 guys. And most mm-hmm. of them are like top five, which is like just so insane to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's so for me, like Edson, Bar- plus the way he fights, the way he kicks, he's like one of those people that is always dangerous. I think we talked about this mm-hmm. when we we're talking about like unique fighters, like unique fighters yeah. may not be the best, but they pose a risk to everybody. It's like, uh, dealing with a lefty it's just confusing mm-hmm. and I, I i feel that about edson barbosa like nobody could go in besides khabib and basically like purely dominate him you know mm-hmm. so yeah edson barbosa i feel like is grossly underrated and i think he's like one of those people that would be in like the hall of very good it's so funny too you're talking about like being a gatekeeper Tell me Giga versus Edson Barbosa doesn't excite you and would be the right step for Giga to prove like, oh, is he a top contender? Right? Like, it's like perfect. Yeah. And it's perfect for Edson too, as the gatekeeper, yeah. the ultimate gatekeeper. Like, oh, you're yep. the other guy with buzz that's coming around. Like, yep. all right, like, show me, you know, like, can you handle this? That yeah, would that'll be, be a dream featherweight matchup for me. I would love that. It's fireworks. All right. Right on. Yeah. Now I'm excited for Giga. So I'm glad you picked Giga. 
and that's kind of partially what we're trying to do, right? Like hype up some of these like other fighters that people yeah. are missing. I guess that's the way the world works though, right? 99% of people know who Connor is. And then it's like 1% will know who Connor oh, is. Yeah, dude, I, on Instagram, you know, I follow a lot of like lifting accounts, like weightlifting accounts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of like the lifting meme accounts will do like all these stories with like, oh, who's the better fighter? And they'll put like, they do this all the time. It'll be like Chuck Liddell or Fedor. And it'll be like 90% voting for Chuck Liddell. It's because they don't know Fedor. Really? You can't pick Liddell over Fedor. Come on. Yeah, it's always like the average fan like doesn't know like anything. I feel like like 90-10 is that's ridiculous. No, that is ridiculous. That would have been a fun fight though. Because Chuck Liddell did have great takedown defense. Fedor's a lot bigger. Fedor is a lot bigger. Fedor did lose to Dan Henderson, but that was much past his prime. Yeah. Did Dan Henderson ever fight Chuck Liddell? Did that ever happen? I don't think so. That would have, that would have been... Yeah. I would but it just loved. They do all those things where, like, who's the better fighter? Connor versus, like... And then they choose someone that's, like, uh, I don't know, whatever. And, they're like, of course, it's going to be... Just basically, like, who's more who's known yeah. is who they pick. Exactly. Exactly. That's what it always comes down oh, to. It's so frustrating, though, like to see that in my feed each time. It's like it's cringe. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess the, the opposite side is when Connor does really fight somebody, that person then becomes famous, you know? Yeah. So then it's no, like, look, I'm a Connor fan. I was thinking, though, it would have been a fun fight the other day, just randomly just thinking of dream matchups. Uh, mm-hmm. Liddell versus a Brock Lesnar. When Brock Lesnar's like a little bit older and Liddell's in his prime, because... You know, the rumor is Brock doesn't like getting hit. And Liddell did have decent takedown defense and the ability to get up. Like, that would have just been, like, a fun little circus fight. Again, a huge size. Yeah, a huge size. Huge, obviously. Yeah, I would love to watch it, too. It would have been fun. Randy Couture wasn't doing that bad against Lesnar. You know, when they fought and and Couture Mm -hmm. was, like, 4-5 at that point. Yeah, I just think it would have been fun to see Liddell go against Lesnar especially when like Lesnar didn't like getting hit and Liddell had this like great takedown defense. I feel like he would have done better than Couture. That would have just been like one of those fun circus fights, you know, that you just enjoy. For sure. I mean, you and you and I, I think are both big fans of any circus fight. Yeah. Cause, cause that's, that's part of a martial arts is like, it shouldn't mm-hmm. just be the bigger guy wins, you know? And, and I feel like Liddell takes that like hard. He wears it on his skull. It's like a, karate slogan you know like peace Mm -hmm. and prosperity but it's like going in and so i I could see liddell being like fuck you big man like you know i'm gonna hit you (laughs) it'd be exciting yeah it would all right let's move on to lightweight 155 all right i'm gonna i'll go first on this one okay uh to me the answer has to be islam makachev once again once again like what we said earlier people don't really know these russian people that have long names and that have like this wrestling style that's uh smothering Mm -hmm. it's like baseball right when they say chicks dig the long ball you know like where Mm -hmm. it's not about singles and bunting the person over and win it's like oh you hit the home run and so babakachev doesn't do that like neither did could be like it was just like i'm gonna dominate you and the story that i love is uh islam magachev like many other fighters other fighters don't want to fight him because they mm-hmm. feel like, oh, I'm not going to get any shine, and I'm probably going to lose, so I don't want to fight him. But he fought Drew Dober, and Drew Dober, to his credit, is just a gay dude, a wrestler, strong. And he has, I think, uh, 
the best looking chin in the UFC. He looks like that Chad emoji with like the huge chin and the perfect hair. Like he looks like an all American dude. Mm-hmm. And then like Islam just dominated him and then got this impressive arm triangle where he was still in Drew Dober's half guard. And I think Drew Dober was like almost like, wait up, that shouldn't work on me. <laughs> like you mm-hmm. shouldn't be able. It's almost like what a purple belt would do to a white belt mm. by cheating. And it's like, yo, don't even do that. Like that's not going to help your game, but it's just like the purple <laughs> belt dick a little bit. And but uh, when Drew Dober went back to Colorado, he ran into Justin Gagey and Justin Gagey was like, right? Like, like, look how crazy these fucking Chechens and Dagestanis are, you know? And I just respect Drew Dober because he was just like, holy fuck, I got dominated. And how many fighters will say that? And the fact that we don't know who Islam Agachev is. Most people don't know. And he did that. And part of the reason Khabib left the UFC and retired was he looks at everything like a team and Islam is going to be the next champion. Like he's his training partner. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, I think Islam is ready. And so the most underrated. And I do think people value him really highly, but yeah, he still goes under that. He's definitely not mainstream known. Exactly. Yeah. And I'd like that's, to. That's, it's weird. But yeah, I mean, I definitely think he's got all the talent there is. Yeah. To me, he reminds me of Khabib when Khabib fought uh, Rafael Dos Anjos before he was champion, before Khabib was champion. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was argued that Dos Anjos was maybe the best fighter in the lightweight division, like up there, like, you know, mm-hmm. arguably the best. And Khabib dominated him. And, you know, like Khabib doesn't have many title defenses, but it could be argued that he just didn't have an opportunity to have the title then. You know, and from that win moving forward, he basically was a champion, you know, and nobody could beat him. And so I kind of see like that's the area Islam is in now where he might be good enough to be a champion. He's just not getting the rightful opportunities. And if he does win the championship in two years and he just starts beating all comers, we'll look back on like today and be like, oh, yeah, he was always that good. Kind of. Yeah, I do think he'll get his opportunity i think he's gonna be one of those guys though that like it's only gonna get a fight or two a year and then even when he's champion i still think it's probably gonna go that speed like he's not gonna end his career with many fights but he'll go down do that is like, pretty dominant again no one wants to fight him i don't think that um he's probably too keen on going down in ranks for fights either mm-hmm. yeah i don't know man i just it's just that's the history. Yeah, I can see that. I can see him not fighting much, especially now that he doesn't have the championship. But ironically, if he does get the championship, I could fight. I could see him fighting more because at that point, people would be like, I have no other option. Like, I want a chance at the belt. And so it's worth losing to the champion as opposed to worth not like losing to the fifth ranked guy. Yeah, I think he's going to be one of those guys that will go up in ranks just by sitting on the sidelines because I think everyone does know how good he is, or at least definitely the UFC brass does. So he'll be one of those guys where if he's not getting fights a year from now, he'll get a title shot still. Like, I think it could be like something like that that happens. I don't know. Dana's, I feel like if Dana does it, it's just because it could be like some friendship, but I feel like Dana doesn't like some of these people. Like John Fitch. John Fitch is like an all time. Potential great and like Dana's like get the fuck out of the UFC. You're boring. They hated John. He did give him a shot though. He did give him a shot. He did one shot. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, Although he probably absolutely. should. Yeah, he should have gotten more than one shot, I do believe, too. Yeah, John Fitch is definitely uh, one of those stories. He's actually one of those guys that really um, nails down Dana for fighter pay, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he can because he's not in the UFC anymore. He knows he'll never get he's hired. Still fighting. He's still fighting. Yeah, he, he's still fighting. Yeah. Insane. Insane. Respect to him. All right, so my underrated pick comes in at number 13 in the lightweight division, and that's Brad Riddell. And just like your pick, he just got his last win over Drew Dober, too. Okay. Uh, It's funny. We both use Drew Dober as like that. All right, this guy's for real. Brad Riddell only has one loss, and it was like his fourth fight as a pro. And I don't even know who that guy was. But since then, uh, I think he's gotten seven in a row. He's 10 and one. And he's Mm -hmm. from New Zealand. He is an awesome, he's definitely a striker for sure. But he's part of that city kickboxing group in New Zealand, which is just so stacked, that gym. Um, And he's dope. His last win over Drew Dober, I think, is one of the best fights this year. Uh, It's definitely the best fight for like a low-ranked or unranked guys. I think they might have both been unranked at that point. Yeah, it's one of the best fights. He's got wins over Drew Dober, Jamie Malarkey. Uh, no one huge yet, but I do think Brad Riddell, again, just based with who he trains with, his record, and what I saw from that last fight, this guy's going up. And it also says here he's a purple belt under Andre Galvao. There you go. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the city kickboxing group is uh, Galvao Umbrella. Yeah, I was going to ask you that, but I thought Galvao teaches in San Diego. So how does that work? He does. They'll uh, Galval will go there. They'll come here. Like actually, Adesanya just came to San Diego before his last fight, or the fight before that, and Adesanya got his purple belt from Galval when he came out. Okay. All right. So that's yeah. how they do it. So it's like um, I think they train with like an associate instructor or whatever, and then they'll train with Galval. I don't know, maybe semi annually or something, and Galval will, I guess you know, come down with like, oh, they're this good. They should be this. Yeah, but I feel like you should give uh, your instructor that shine, right? I'd be like, yo, I train under Anthony Buckwitz and Gary Ojeda. I'm not going to be like, oh, I train under Henzo Gracie, you know? Like, even though they right. got their black belts from like Henzo Gracie, like, I just feel like that. Again, it's know. all just, yeah, name, notoriety, lineage. It's like when you're a pro fighter, you just want it to be like, pump you up. Yeah. Or maybe they just really love Gal Val and they're like, yo, he's the best in the world. So that's who I want my belt in. And that's it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the best in the world. Right. I'm just saying from their standpoint, maybe that's what they're saying. I'm not saying I'm saying that. I know. But I'm only on the Russ. I'm on like the Russ Edwards train now. Like when Russ was like, no, Gal Val's a big slap by fucking uh, Gordon Ryan. Gordon Ryan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you should, like the more I think about it, you're a world champion. Like, never let even a regular person shouldn't let somebody slap them in the head. Like, it should get broken up before you die, right? So, like, you're like fight back, like you know, for a second. And especially if you're a world champion, like, don't let Gordon Ryan do that to you. Come on. Yeah, Galval has MMA experience and stuff too. I don't see why he wouldn't have. Gordon Ryan said, I think, on Joe Rogan that he thinks like he really slapped him that hard where he shook him, and maybe he was like a little like, oh my god, maybe, really yeah. Did that. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe that is it, yeah. Yeah. But then don't go after him. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, like, what are you doing? Let's move on to welterweight. Okay. Uh, I have kind of two people I wanted to mention. Okay. Let's see if one of them was... Nah, you definitely didn't pick my guy, but go ahead. All right. Well, one is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who 
I just love as a person. So maybe I'm just picking him because I love him. Yeah, me too. But, but I don't know if he's underrated. I think he is because I just think I don't yeah. think people respect him as much as he should. Okay, out of his last seven fights, he has three losses and a draw. But I think he beat Darren Till in one of them. It was a crazy punch by Anthony Pettis that happens to anybody. And the two Tyrone Woodley fights, I would give them draws. You know, like it wasn't like he mm. lost. And before that, he kept winning. So I feel like people don't look at Wonder Boy as like champion level fighter, where I do. Like I feel like mm. Wonder Boy is in that sense underrated. Like everybody thinks he's good, but I just think he's like great. I just love the way he moves. He dominated Masvidal. Like he's so unique. He's got what is he ranked? He's ranked too. number four. No, I think he's like sixth. Six? No, my guy's actually six. <laughs> I mean, he's got a fight coming up that's basically like title implications. Okay. In my rankings, it's Usman, Covington, Gilbert Burns, Leon Edwards, Jorge Masvidal, Stephen Thompson. I'm looking okay. at Roto Wire though. That's okay. where I went. Roto Wire. All right. All right. So. Who was your other guy that you were thinking about? Uh, okay, my other guy is Douglas Lima, just because he's Ooh. in Bellator. Mm-hmm. And so I just think, yeah, we underestimate how good some of these other fighters are in these other leagues. And we're always like thinking like UFC is by far the best. But if you look at the history, when the UFC absorbed WEC, those WEC guys became the champions, you know? And then when the UFC absorbed Strikeforce, the Strikeforce guys became the champions, like Daniel Cormier. And if they were never absorbed, people would be underestimating those people. So if Daniel Cormier was fighting in strike force the entire time and not UFC, like, I don't think he'd have the respect as being like maybe like a top 10 fighter ever. But now he does. Yeah. And so I see Douglas Lima as like, he was a champion in the welterweight division. I'm not saying he would beat everybody in the UFC, but, you know, he's ranked 14th in this ranking that I have. And yeah, you just can't underestimate these men. Demetrius Johnson said the same thing when now that he's at one championship and lost, mm-hmm. he's like, yo everybody's good you know like all these men on any given moment like it's chaos sometimes in the ring and you get caught mm-hmm. yeah you know what i uh i'm guilty i didn't even think about going into bellator and i should have because i think there are some other names there that are underrated but uh, i'll keep rocking uh the guy i picked for most underrated welterweight he is somewhat highly ranked he has number six in the ufc rankings but he's not a guy that people really pay attention to. I think he flies under the radar a lot. And that's Michael Chiesa. I okay. think Chiesa okay. is like such a big welterweight. And he's just a grappler that kind of just smothers you. He's got wins over Neil Magny, RDA, Carlos Condit, Anthony Pettis, Kevin Lee, Benil Dariush, Jim Miller. Like his wins are huge. And his losses are from Masvidal, Pettis, Kevin Lee, and Joe Lazan. Those are all four of his losses. He's 18 and four. And again, Pettis, Kevin Lee, Joe Lazan, Masvidal, those are all pretty much household names that people should know. Great, yeah. great, great fighters. All, so this all is one of those things. And the, the amount of people amazing. he beat, like Condit, RDA, Dariush, Pet, like those are huge wins as well. So I, I just know from personal history, I always find that Kies is an underdog in his fights. And I always think he's going to beat the guys he gets matched up against. I think he gets good matchups. Whoever his manager is, I think he's doing a great job. And I bet on him as an underdog and he comes out winning. So, yeah, it's just one of those guys where 
he flies under the radar, I think. You know, you're right. I think part of the reason he might be underrated is he kind of maybe seems like a little... He's one-dimensional. His striking isn't very good, but his grappling is just suffocating. Yeah. He just looks like a big bully just roughing someone up, but he's never... Yeah, but on the feet, not so great. Okay, and I think also part of the reason is he basically fights once a year. So he fought January 21, and then before Mm. that he fought January 20, then it was 2019, one fight, 2018, two fights, 2017, one fight, 2016, one fight, 2015... Mm-hmm. two fights yeah i think he's a smart guy though because he's also not taking too much damage he's also doing like you know the announcing and stuff yep. for some events and i think he's just very selective in like who he's going to fight as he just marches up these ranks and he's obviously doing a good job i think all right yeah, I think that's he's just got one. like a well-managed career and i think he's underrated because he is a threat to a lot of people i'm not yeah. sure if i'm thinking he's ever going to be champ but I, I do think he's one of the biggest threats in that division and no one really sees him that way. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a good pick. Kessie is good. We should respect him. Mm-hmm. And he's a good announcer to an analyst, whatever. Okay. I don't really like him that much, which makes sense. He's underrated, right? Like if yeah. somebody that good, like we should like him. I think a yeah. lot of people look at him that same way. Yeah. All right. All right. Where are we on middleweight right. now? Middleweight is next. Yes. Okay, I'm going with uh, actually my real Bellator guy that I wanted to go with, and that's Gegard Mousasi. Mm, I think Gegard Mousasi is just one of the best fighters in general, and he has always been, and he's always underrated. He's 35 years old. He's 6'2", 185, but he's fought at heavyweight, light heavyweight, and middleweight. And And heavyweight, he armored Mark Hunt. Yeah. What did you say? I'm sorry. He's been fighting forever, too. Yeah, and he's been fighting forever, like you said, f- fighting out of the Netherlands. Um, he beat Douglas Lima. He beat Machida. He lost to Rafael Lovato. And then before that, he won his last seven. He lost to Uriah, Flaw- uh, Uriah Hall with an amazing f- move by Uriah Hall. But if they fought again, I think I would bet on Gegard Mousasi. You know? Uriah beat Hall Dan and Mousasi are one and one, I want to say. Are they? I think so. Uh, he beat Thiago Santos, who gave John Jones a crazy good fight with yeah, with no knees. He beat. Oh no, no, he did beat Uriah Hall. I'm sorry, he lost to Uriah Hall with there flying knee, and then he and then he avenged that loss and he beat him TKO. Okay, so part of me feels like that kind of takes away that loss a little. You know what I mean? Not takes it away, yeah. but you even it out. Yes. So he he lost to Jacare by guillotine, but okay. I just love that he just has. Such a well-rounded game, incredible submissions, incredible striking, and he just looks like he got out of bed. <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. it looks like a fighter that just like wakes up, he's got that head, and then just like a sick fighter. Yeah, he doesn't so. look the intimidating part like a lot of these other guys, especially in that division, can look. And yeah, Musasi is a beast, man. I love him. Yeah, he's got like the hairy. He's like a little bit of like a throwback dude, you know, like mm-hmm. where he's like, I'm going to win with my technique. Like, I'm not trying to get clout or anything. And he armbarred Mark Hunt. Like, I just think that's so cool that he even went into the fight with Mark Hunt. So, mm-hmm. yeah, totally respect him. Love him. That's a great pick. I love it. I love Gegard Musasi. Um, Yeah, that guy, I, I would say he's in. It's hard because it's like, yeah, he is underrated. And yet he's still been within like the top five of that division for like 10 years. 
mm-hmm. which is crazy. In my rankings, he was like 14th or something. On oh, that's a shame. I think he's thing. still up there, man. I would, I would put him in the top 10 MMA right now still. I'm sorry. Rotowire, he, he's ranked 7th. There you go. Perfect. That's what I would say. All right. So in the UFC rankings, my guy ranks number 8, and that's Uriah Hall. We were just talking about him. Yeah, um, same page. Yeah. Uriah Hall's record is not – he's ranked 8, and he's 18-9, and nine, which doesn't scream out, like, huge. But the losses he has to, like, really fucking good people, like all, like, the guys at the top, like Robert Whitaker, Paula Costa, Gegard Mousasi. Like, these are all the top guys. Now, he also has wins over Derek Brunson, Anderson Silva, Chris Weidman, that, that, knee break, uh, that shin break recently. So mm-hmm. – I, I do think that no one really talks about Uriah Hall as a contender, but I think a peak Uriah Hall can definitely beat anybody. Uh, the middleweight yeah. division was tough for me because I just do think that Adesanya is running through that division more than I think like anyone else has run through a division. So at some point, <laughs> the only one left might be Uriah Hall for Adesanya. Yeah, I, I think I'd also, two things I want to slightly challenge. Okay. I really believe most people in the top 15 could beat the number one guy one out of 10 times. You know? Like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The right night, it's definitely peak Uriah Hall. Yeah, I think could beat anybody. You know? like and yeah. In some ways, Uriah Hall like a little bit of a Walmart version of Israel Adesanya. Like, not to sound mean, it's just... You know, yes. these two really long, technical, but also super creative fighters. But for one reason or another, Israel seems to have like put it a little bit closer together than Uriah Hall. Yeah. But yeah. I, I would love to see that fight too. Like if they fought yeah, together. I, I think at some point we're going to be running out of guys. I mean, there's Jack Hermanson, Darren Till. Those are the, like, the I, only, I would put those the only guys as- ahead of. Of Uriah Hall that Adesanya hasn't fought yet, but it's always mm-hmm. weird to me that Till's even okay. ranked as high as he has because he has like more losses than wins in like the last seven or so. Till's a great fighter, but I think he's he overrated, is. and that's he because he's charismatic. Yes, People, I, he's got a great follow. Like follow on Instagram, he's funny. Mm-hmm. He makes fun of himself. A great Darren Till story was like. One night, like he called out Yoel Romero on Twitter. <laughs> He's mm. like making fun of Romero. And then the next morning, he goes, I was so hammered last night. He's like, I did not mean to make fun of him. And I just think that's like so awesome. Like, you know, like yeah. drunk texting a girl is one thing, but then like calling out Yoel Romero, maybe like the scariest man in the world, I think. <laughs> and he was like, I'll still fight you. I just, I don't know. He's fun. Yeah, he definitely has a charm to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jack Hermanson is probably the next guy if Izzy beats Whitaker, right? Yeah. And then if he beats Jack Hermanson, it's got to be Uriah Hall. I think there's a lot of underrated fighters, though, in the middleweight division. I think Derek Brunson's underrated. Like, he is. You're right. They, they, they give him people to be the gatekeeper, yep. like Edson Barbosa, and then he just beats them. <laughs> like, yep. So, so I, I think, uh, yeah, the middleweight is good. And like what you said, Adesanya's cleaned out a lot of it. So what's next? I would have loved to see Adesanya Musasu. Oh, I think that is yeah, like a sure. sexy fight. Another tall, lanky dude 
but that has no fear, but better grappling, that would be exciting. Also, like a real veteran, veteran too. Like mm-hmm. I don't think Adesanya's versed anyone like Gegard. Gegard is like a little bit of like a nicer version than Fedor, in not in their fighting stance, but their face. Like Fedor looked like stoic, but he looked right. like he was gonna murder you. Where Gegard looks stoic, but it's like, what is he thinking about right now? Like, you know, like, it's like, <laughs> definitely like, oh, what did I do last night? Or where did I leave my keys? Like, mm-hmm. he just looks like he's like a little high. But uh, I, I think Gegard I, I would respect- be, that would be the most experience from a guy still in his peak. Because you would obviously say Anderson Silva and, you know, super veteran too, but not at mm-hmm. Anderson's peak. Um, but Gegard is still really high up. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's 35, which in the UFC is... He's towards the end, but... Towards the end, but also, like, right at the edge of peak, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's go to light heavyweight. You want to go first with light heavy? Sure. I'm picking number 11th ranked in the UFC at the moment. His name is Ryan Spann. Superman Ryan Spann. Ryan Spann is 19-6. and He's got more submission wins than KOs. He's got six KOs and 11 wins by submission. Um, so again, 17 of those 19 wins are, you know, non-decision. They're, they're finishes, which is a big deal. Um, and then he's got wins over Johnny Walker, uh, Little Nog, Sam Alvey. I think this guy is due for a climb up. He's very strong, very thick. He's a big guy, even for light heavyweight. I think he'll start making waves soon enough. Okay. Yeah, good one. I actually don't really know him much, so uh, you're right. He is underrated. Yeah, I think he's definitely. definitely going to break in. I can see him being a top five guy in the next two years. I I had really I had a lot of trouble with the light heavy and the heavyweight division. It, it was tough because they're all good, and some of the people that I didn't love, I feel like they're underrated for a reason a little bit. I think I'm going to take like a cheap way out, but I still believe he's underrated, even though he is the champion, Jan Blakovich. I I think like we still look at him as like a novelty, like, oh, sweet, like the old Polish guy won, you know, and it's like... I think a lot of people looking at him as a placeholder. Yeah, like, oh, we love him, he won, we're so happy that he won the championship, but we need a real champion in there. Yeah. And I'm like, he's so scary. And the reason that I... The thing that switched for me that made me think of him as like a scary mean dude when he fought Dominic Reyes, Dominic Reyes arguably gave John Jones his greatest fight ever. Mm-hmm. I remember Blakovich kicked him, and then instantly Reyes's ribs just turned red. Yes, I remember and this like you too. You could see his feet, and and the last time I saw somebody do that was Crow Cop. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I think like we maybe think too much about age like what's the difference between 38 and 34 you know depends on the body depends on how much you train depends on your yeah you know, like physical nature and yeah if, if jan blokovich was 34 but named like jeff thompson you know or something like you know and like was like an elite wrestler maybe we've been yeah i think you actually have a really strong case if people knew that if people knew that jan's age was like 33 they'd be like bro this guy's the guy yeah, and, and yep. sometimes it's like you're hurt because you're just really good at everything instead of like great at one thing, which like really intimidates people. And by being really good at everything, people just might think you're okay. And like yeah. going back to that home run analogy, like, oh, he doesn't hit home runs, but 
He's in singles, walks, and doubles, and like he understands the game and he knows exactly when to bunt and bring the guy like just smart. And so like yeah, I kind of like I'm just growing how much I like Jan. And some people were saying if Israel beat Jan Blakovich, that Israel would be like pound for pound best in the world. But it's kind of like once Jan won, it wasn't like oh my god, Jan, now you're like pound for pound best. It was just like oh Izzy, you should have won, <laughs> you know? Like it just, yeah. It's, like, come it's on, funny man. like Jan got nothing out of that victory i know yeah that is yeah I, I you know you're not wrong for picking him even though he's the champion as the most underrated fighter in that division you're not wrong there like he, you definitely have a strong case because people do think all on these lines yeah it's like always too much about like sexiness a little you know and, mm-hmm. and Jan just seems like a good dude he has like the cool like fighter stories like he, he found the guy in the forest that hung out in Poland. And so then he called the cops and then like the police came and the police were like, oh, do you want the rope? Because like rope is like good luck. For some reason, the rope of a man that hanged himself in some cultures is good luck. And Jan goes, okay. And then Jan says before every fight, he holds that rope. And ever since he's been holding that rope, he knocked out Rockhold. He oh decisioned Jacare. Then he knocked out Corey Anderson. Then he knocked out Dominic Reyes. Oh, and he fucking shit. did Israel out of Sonya. Yo, I got to get like, me a did, rope. No, but you, you got to find somebody. Yeah, somebody that killed themselves and then oh, that rope. Yeah. Shit. It's not just that's, any rope. Yeah. That's crazy. I had no idea about any of that. The lore yeah, of I feel that, like that's like yawn, some, nothing. I think that's like some gypsy stuff, you know, like Eastern European gypsy. I don't know. I'm assuming that, but. Yeah, that made me kind of like Jan, and he's just very down to earth. He respects everybody. Like, after he beat Israel, he was like, you know, Israel's a really good fighter. Like, he's, I just, mm-hmm. I respect him. I like fighters like that. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, it doesn't get like YouTube hits or whatever, but he's easy to root. Agreed. All right. Uh, last up, heavyweight. All right, brother, you want to go first on this one? Sure. I, trouble. I picked for your geography a guy from Moldova. He's a Sambo guy too sergey spivak ranked number 14 in the ufc he's got five ko's six subs i find him to be pretty balanced i remember he had a win against uh tai tuivasa and then i watched him beat carlos felipe and then this last time he was i think a favorite over olenek who i think most people know olenek now but i didn't think he was gonna beat olenek and he did so i think spivak is is um Definitely an underrated guy. I think most people don't know who he is. He's 13 and two. Um, his two losses are by Marcin Tibera, who's really good, and Walt Harris. These are both very high-ranking guys, and those are the only losses he's had in his career. So if you're talking about underrated guys, I mean, he's only lost to like top five-ish guys. I think he's due to be a top five-ish guy soon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now, now I got to keep an eye on him. Mm-hmm. And I definitely just re- respect Sambo. I love people that do Sambo. Yes, yeah, def- de- definitely different. You know, from Moldova, Sambo practitioner. I like him. I really do believe one of the best bases for MMA is growing up in a poor country. <laughs> like that I thought you were going to say Sambo, and I was like, yeah, I, I would be I there. And then, yeah, also that, though, yeah. I wanted to switch it up for the people, give them what they least expect. <laughs> But yeah, like sometimes it's like, dude, just be from a poor country. Like, you know, like just be a little. One of my favorite quotes ever for like anybody. Uh, it's uh, the best sauce is hunger. 
You know, like mm. you, you, you want something to taste good. Just don't eat the day before, you know, and then like pretty much whatever you eat the next day, you're going to be like, this is the best fucking apple I've ever had. You know, mm-hmm. I had trouble with this one thinking like a lot of different things. Part of me wanted to pick part of me wanted to like, yeah, go outside the UFC again, pick Fabricio Verdum. Yeah, because I just think he's like a legend. And the reason I'm pick, I, I would have picked him, too, is because once you're a heavyweight, I don't want to say luck plays more part into it, but it's just like any singular punch could knock you out. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't necessarily make you like a bad fighter. It's just, you know, you could lose. And Verdun's getting a little bit older, so it's like hard to pick him. But he was the first person to beat Fedor, you yep. know? And and so like I just think there was a point where I think Verdun had a chance to be in the conversation for best ever. Dude, you know, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I do consider him one of the greatest heavyweights ever, for sure. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Now, at this point in his career, I think you, you would be justified in saying that he's underrated, but definitely not, like, career-wise underrated. Yeah, I was thinking also Curtis Blades, because he's only lost three times, mm-hmm. and uh, it's to Nganu and... Uh, Derek Lewis, like, you know, like these like greats. So, right. and he's a great wrestler. It's just, it's just like hard. I'm not sure. I, I yeah. think I'd have Verdum, to go with Curtis Verdum makes Blades. a great case because uh, Verdum, like if you look at his losses, he's lost twice to Overeem. He lost to Stipe. He lost to Volkov, mm-hmm. Olenek. Who else did he lose to? Junior Dos Santos, Arlovsky, Big Nog, Sergey Karatonov. So he has a bunch of losses, but all of these losses are to like monsters of mm-hmm. division. But his wins, you can look at his wins and you can go from all the way back to 2000. Gosh, I, his resume is insane, dude. Yep. I can go back to 2006 and literally every single fight, you know these guys' names. It's Overeem, Alexander Emelianenko, Gabriel Gonzaga, Brandon Vera, Antonio Bigfoot Silva, Fedor, Roy Nelson, Big Nog. These are all wins. Travis Brown, Mark Hunt, Kane Velasquez, Travis Brown, Walt Harris, Mm -hmm. Marcin Tybura, Alexander Gustafson. Like, dude, like insane schedule. He's like a little bit like Edson Barbosa. Yeah. Most of the people he's fought are Hall of Famers. You know, like dude, 2006, we're talking 15 years of literally no one but Hall of Famers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Insane. If if Verdun was three years older, younger, I think I'd pick him. But I still think, yeah, he's one of the most underrated. I guess I if I just had to pick one, I would say like Blades, maybe. Mm. But I would like to see Blades fight Verdun. And if Verdun beats him, then (laughs) Verdun is the underrated one. You know, to me they were neck and forty three right now. Man. Yeah. Can you imagine but, if he was in MMA a little bit sooner? The thing about the heavyweight division is you do age slower, right? Couture, Randy Couture won the championship at 45. We watched that in he your started old very basement. Late, though. I think he started at 36 or something. Started MMA, but he's been wrestling forever. So right. his body still had miles. You know? Yeah, but not, not, you know, trauma, head trauma. Yeah, not head trauma. But he was still smaller than Verdum too, though. Oh, yeah. Couture much. fought at light heavyweight. Much, yeah. So, I think yeah, it, they like remind me of each other a little bit in that sense. I I like Verdum a lot, dude. I just um, I just saw this little uh, 
from 2004 to 2006, Verdum lived with uh, Krokop. Really? Yeah, they lived together for two years in Croatia. Dude, that should, that should be like a buddy cop movie. Like, I feel like <laughs> Verdum has like a big laugh and like Krokop looks so stoic and Dude, scary. that's exactly what I would say. I'm like, yo, if you're going to make some type of MMA cop movie, like that's the one right there. And the bad guy is Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson almost, <laughs> Tony Ferguson almost fought Verdum. Did you see that video? Yes. Yep. Yes, I did. I love it. For the listeners that don't know, they were at like a press conference of some sort, and I don't even know how they got into it. But Tony, <laughs> I, Tony is I know. crazy okay. and will fight a heavyweight, like really, yeah, yeah insane. What, look up the video. Just go on Google, right? Tony Ferguson, Verdum. The craziest thing about Tony Ferguson is his hands are bigger than Verdum's. And I was like, <laughs> shit, like Tony is like a freak of nature. But basically, like there was a press conference and they were sitting at the same table and somebody asked Verdum a question and then Tony was answering another question and Tony goes to Verdum and goes, I'm talking, brother. And Verdum That's was like, right, what I remember the fuck? that. Like, they're interviewing me. And then Tony goes, I'll fucking ankle pick you. And it was like amazing. <laughs> He's like, I'll ankle pick. Not I'll punch you in the face, I'll ankle pick you. And I was just like, I love Tony Ferguson. It's just like, my- yeah, Tony, Tony, I don't know. So funny. <laughs> And Verdum, like in his head, you know, he's like, you're a fucking lightweight. I should be able to fuck you up right now. And I can't like, you know, like you wanted to. It's just so awesome. Yeah. Hold on. I'm talking, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. I'm talking, brother. So you guys may see that meme if you go on like Reddit MMA or something. You'll see somebody just comment like, I'm talking, brother. And it's all it's it's referencing that. So it's like lives on forever. Oh, man, that's so good. Yeah, Tony Ferguson, man. All right, so uh, let's wrap this up. There are women's divisions, so I'll just kind of we've been we've been at it for a little bit, so we'll just kind of I'll kind of go through them pretty quickly. So, uh, for women at straw weight, I think the underrated pick would be Carla Esparza. She's ranked number three. She's nineteen and six. Her wrestling is definitely she's the best women's wrestler there is. Mm. Yeah, in all of MMA, I would say that. Uh, and I think she's got to be looking at uh, uh, something soon because she has a win over Thug Rose, the champion. She has a win over Thug Rose, Suarez, John DeRoba, Michelle Watterson. Her only big loss was to Joanna. And she's putting together a nice little win streak. So to me, I think Carlos, Carla Esparza uh, should be a little bit more name notoriety and fighting soon. In the flyweight division, I had a hard time picking between two fighters between Macy Barber and Miranda Maverick. And I picked Miranda Maverick. Um, Interestingly enough, they're actually fighting their next fight against each other. So I think that's going to be pretty awesome. I think the Mm. winner of that is like the new shit of that division. But I'm picking Miranda Maverick with the more Muay Thai base. She's ranked number 14. She's 11 and 2. One KO, six subs for someone with a Muay Thai base with six subs. Um... Yeah, I just think she's a beast. Bantamweight division, I went with Juliana Pena. She's ranked six. She's 11 and four. She's got three KOs, five subs. She's got wins over Sarah McMahon, Kat Zingano, Jessica I, Montano. Uh, she got big wins. And her only losses were to Shevchenko and... Um, oh, Jermaine Durandamy? Yes. She's, her only losses are like to the top three people. I think Juliana Pena is going to be... I, uh, I think 
Pena is next in line for Amanda Nunes, actually. I think she called her out, and I think she's next in line. But, yeah, she is underrated. She is very good. If Amanda Nunes gets anybody, that's not the next person to do. Uh, and then there is one more female division, but it has no fighters. It's featherweight, and so you can't really pick any. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Any uh, any other final notes you wanted to share on what you think you learned by thinking about underratedness? Yeah, it's interesting because when I was looking through, looking at like, oh, they're ranked this high, and then I would look and like look at their fight history, and I'm like, okay, oh, they got a win over this, oh, but they lost to this person. And then I look at that person and their fight history, and like, MMA math is hard. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a lot of guys that I was like surprised about but then after thinking about the rankings i'm like oh actually these rankings make a lot more sense than i thought because mm-hmm. it is pretty tough and i'm like ah yeah like a lot of the numbers might look like oh how could this guy be ranked here but he has lost to this guy and this guy who's ranked below him but then if you look at like the times they versed and just how those other fighters have fought and stuff too you're like oh yeah i guess it, he's there by default so like that's a lot of the ranking you know what i mean yeah yeah I, I could definitely see that. I, I felt like it was kind of like ironic because sometimes I was like, oh, the people I don't pick are actually more underrated than the people I do pick, right? Because like I didn't even mention right. them. So like some way I'm like, no matter who I pick, they're technically like rated. And then like also part of me felt like, oh yeah, like it's not always fighting style that determines. And most of the time it's not fighting style that determines if you're underrated. It's like, what's your name? Like, like, where are you from? Like, yep. you know, like, how entertaining are you? Like, yep. how old are you? And it's so, like, I know in the world, I personally hate, like, a lot of this, like, intersectional politics stuff where it's like, oh, these people are suffering, but handicapped people are suffering more than this. And, oh, black handicapped people. You know what I mean? And so, but there is some truth to it when you talk about it, like, the underratedness. And it's just like, yeah, I wonder if that guy's name wasn't Askar Askarov. But, you know, but it was like something else. Yeah, I mean, look at how many fighters we picked that weren't American. And then the American fighters we did pick were ranked at the very bottom, you know, like 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think there's complete truth in that. Right. So, yeah, I think it was just a good exercise. And at least since doing this podcast and like us doing the Instagram and stuff, like I'm just beginning to appreciate just so many more fighters as opposed to like just the champions. You know, mm-hmm. like everybody's got their moment of shine and like what they've done. And plus, like a lot of these people could beat up 99% of the world, 99.9. And like earlier, I would like to see like the 20th ranked guys get a chance at sometimes rank guys a little bit more because I really think some of them could win and shock the world. Sometimes. Yeah, I think um, for UFC, they only have like fifth ranks up to 15. Okay. Personally, I'd like to see more. But I understand that because it's like uh, probably household people don't even know the, the full top 10, let alone 15. Like, I, I guarantee most people don't know 10 through 15 in any division. But I think that's partially because 10 to 15 just fights each other. So if 10 fought four Maybe. and two fought 15 once in a while and like, you know, then be like, oh, yeah, I, I heard of them. I saw them in that fight. Where, like, you know, like in baseball, I'm using a lot of baseball analogies this summer, but like, you know, you you play 162 games and you're playing every team. You're playing the worst teams and you're playing the best team, you know, and it's like an endurance thing. And if you lose a game, it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think like we're always like, oh, my God, they lost a fight. 
it's a very yeah, you lost a fight. Like, how did you lose though? Did you get like demolished or was it like a close fight? Or was right. it you know, and let him lose once in a while. It's not the end of the world, you know? Like I, I think we had this discussion before, but it's like, would you rather be like twenty and four or eight and oh? Mm-hmm. You know, like all right, go go twenty and four. Like that's kind of cool, you know? Like and the overall sport is more because now that guy lost four times and those four losses, we may know those people now. Yeah, in boxing it gets a lot different. In MMA, yeah, the twenty and four guy, his experience is like the eight and O guys likely to be untested. The twenty and four guys been pretty tested. Like so yeah, it's different. In boxing it goes a little differently. I mean, there are guys, I mean, if you look at the legends like a Manny Pacquiao or something, he's still good. He's still fighting soon. He's got mm-hmm. six losses mm-hmm. and such, but again that's like not as common if you're, if you're bordering like six plus losses i think tyson had six losses ali but yeah like in boxing you're looking at like a handful of losses or less over like 50 fights you know yeah people lose it's not the end of the world but also in mma you're fighting i think higher quality where in boxing isn't like the first 20 fights you fight against cans like somebody said like yeah a lot of times 20, it is like the first 20 wins or something this other guy got like those people had a combined like 20 wins you know like they didn't win like it's just yeah like, unless you're like a lomachenko who fought like 400 times in the amateurs and so by the time he went pro it was only the cream of the crop so i think lomachenko only shit. has like He's got less than 20 fights. We have 400 amateur fights. Oh, my God. Dude, yeah. People people talk about that. He's like the most seasoned amateur ever. And I think he went like 396 wins of those four. Like something crazy. We were like, all right, dude, you were like good like 200 fights ago. Why would he do that? I don't know. Maybe maybe to preserve his career. I don't know. Let's, let's look into that another day. But I think that's like fascinating. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that could that could be an interesting topic, maybe like another day, like uh, fighters that have had the most interesting like trajectories, you know, like how how they went about how they went about uh you know like getting up there. Yeah, it could be cool to really check out some amateur careers of fighters too. There is that data out there now. Yeah, I always wanted to interview with, like some of those people. Like, who's like the guy that beat like Mayweather in? the amateurs and does he like still talk about it <laughs> you know like like oh, do you, you ever like, like yeah right like you you beat him what like who cares if he's 19 and you're 20 like you know yep. like you beat the world champion at one point like that's ridiculous like that's so cool yeah and, and ultimately you're still part of his story you know like that's still mm-hmm. cool yeah mm-hmm. all right great discussion yeah it was fun it was good and then we have this ufc next weekend which is pretty stellar we're pretty awesome yeah definitely thanks for listening to the philosophy of fighting podcast if you have any questions suggestions or if you would like to fight us send us a dm on instagram at philosophy underscore fighting